0: Good morning, and welcome to Church Matters. My name is Janet Plennert. Church Matters is a place where we ask questions about the life of the Church, at home, across the street, and around the world.
1: And my name is Dan Dick. I'll be hosting Church Matters together with Janet. We're going to have a great time bringing you stories about why being the Church together makes a difference in the world. Church Matters is brought to you by Mennonite Church Canada.
0: We have with us today Sarah Thompson. Sarah is the North America Representative for Youth and Young Adult Executive Committee of the Mennonite World Conference. Sarah is a 23-year-old Fulbright scholar living and studying in Argentina, and she's with us today to talk about young adults in the church.
2: Sarah, does the church matter to young adults? Churches always have an effect on society. I think there are three distinct groups of young adults that I have found in my research. There is one group that definitely says the church doesn't matter to me, you know, that I want to do something with my life and it's slowing me down and the theology makes me feel accountable to people. I mean, that's one group. But there's another group, too, that's kind of ambivalent about the church. Perhaps they grew up in the church and then left. Or they always say, the church is in my background, but I'm not sure where I really fit or if it will be in my future. But there is a third group of young adults that is very passionate about the church, that is excited about sharing the message of Jesus, and that really wants to be involved.
1: Church membership and attendance is on the decline in virtually every denomination and region in North America. What is or should the church be doing to attract young adults?
2: I think it's really important to young adults to be able to come to a church space and bring all of themselves, and that includes their questions, their hopes, their dreams, and their ideas. And so I think if they come into a church setting where there are other adults asking questions as well, and they can have intergenerational dialogue, that's really important. I'm hearing from young adults that churches that are practical, that live out their theology, it's visible that if they say service is a part of what we believe— that they're doing service, that they're caring for one another and caring for the members of their community around them and for members of the global community.
0: We've noted in Mennonite churches that there's a marked absence of young adults in most of our congregations. And as we talk about this and as congregations think about it, often their response is to begin more programs or to hire a youth pastor or a young adult pastor. Can you tell us more about that? What is the secret to having young adults in our congregations?
2: The group of people now that is developing about age 18 to 30 are considered young adults, and it is a very transient time. Many things are happening. Some people are working. Some are at school. Some are starting new families. And I think instead of programming to bring more youth and young adults, I think it's just so important to focus on the ones that are already there and take them seriously and welcome them into the life of the congregation. What would that look like? I think a lot of it begins with conversation. And of course, inviting them over for, for dinner, if that's possible, or times outside of just a Sunday morning meeting.
1: Do they really want to hang out with folks that are, are not part of their peer group?
2: Well, contrary to the images that we see from the media that just praise youth, I think that many young adults do actually want to learn and share with people that are not from their generation. There is definitely a richness that comes from intergenerational dialogue. And I think especially telling the story of our faith from older people to younger people is so important. It's so helpful. For example, in this time, I think it is really important for the elders of congregations to share their alternative service work that they did during World War II. If they decided that because of their faith in Jesus, they could not kill another human being, they often participated in alternative type of service. And the youth and young adults that are growing up now... We need to hear these stories. We want to hear these stories. Sarah, I've
1: heard you talk about the CNN generation and the effect that's having, particularly on youth and young adults. Tell me, what do you mean by that and what's the impact of that?
2: Quoting Phil Butler, he said that we are now suffering from CNN syndrome, which means just because people, and this especially affects North America, watch the world on TV, we think that we know and understand the world. But in my work at Mennonite World Conference, what we are trying to do is organize a Global Youth Summit in 2009 so that emerging leaders from all over the world can come together and get to know and understand one another for real.
1: Sarah, you've traveled quite a bit worldwide, and you're currently living in Argentina. Tell me, what does it mean to you as a young adult to be the global church?
2: Being a global church means understanding and embracing where our population is. For example, of Mennonites and Anabaptists around the world, 75% of our churches are in Africa, Asia, and Latin America, and 25% of those churches are in North America and Europe. However, along with that equation, it's really important to know that the churches of North America and Europe, 25% of that population, control 95% of the resources of our global church. So to be a global church It means to understand the dynamics of our history, the dynamics of colonization, the dynamics of slavery, still, that have had effects on how we understand Jesus in our context. And so when we come together as a global church, it means that we need to share our resources with one another, just like the church in Acts. They shared their resources in common. They welcomed one another into their homes to fellowship.
0: What role do the young adults have in leading the church in this process?
2: I think that youth can open the door to helping people ask serious questions. And the leadership of youth is passionate, globally thinking. And so when youth invite the church to begin to think outside of its box, begin to understand our place in the world and to participate as global citizens, I think is really significant.
1: I hear you saying that things like the environment, social justice, are all really important things to your generation.
2: A lot of young adults are passionate about social issues. And a lot of this for youth in the church grows directly out of their theology. Listening to verse Micah 6, 8, for example, what does the Lord require of us but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. Youth are searching for ways that we can do this. And if it's modeled by the older generation, that really supports youth coming out of their boxes and taking risk to really be disciples that Jesus calls us to be.
0: Well, this is exciting, Sarah, because what I'm hearing you say is that not only is there a place for young adults in the church, but that the young adults can help the rest of the generations to take our world more seriously and to really believe that the church
2: matters. What What are you hopeful about? As a person living in the United States, I'm so hopeful when I see Christian youth and young adults saying... My security does not lie in guns, it does not lie in shields, but it lies in Christ. I mean, every day we are told that we need bigger, better, more. And so I'm hopeful when I see people say, I have enough, and I have so much I can share, and I will share. And I am hopeful when I see people getting the answers to their questions, not by just sitting down and studying about it, but by being out, being with people, and finding the answers to our questions together and working together. I'm hopeful when people take Jesus's life seriously and align themselves with the most forgotten of society and the most marginalized. I mean, sometimes the church does feel like it has a lot of bureaucracy and structure that is hard to understand. But the most hopeful things are when we see people acting out their theology and living their lives for Christ in ways that are so kind and passionate, understanding.
1: And that inspires passion in you. Absolutely. Sarah, I'm wondering if there is a biblical metaphor or illustration or story that is particularly meaningful to you in this work and in these days.
2: One image that comes to mind is that Jesus was put on a cross, not out in the countryside somewhere, but in the middle of the city, in an area so cosmopolitan that they had to write the inscription, this is the King of the Jews, in three languages. And so as Christians, we need to be engaged with our world, even if it feels chaotic and out of control. We are called to be people of peace amidst that. And so that keeps me going.
0: What kind of church do young adults really want to be
2: a part of today, Sarah? What would it look like? The word that comes to mind is the word alive, a church that from its confession of faith is active and thinks very intentionally about what they're called to do and is constantly kind of questioning themselves and, and thinking critically about the world in ways that mobilize people to care for one another, to reach out rather than to hold back, to think global rather than to think just about themselves. Young adults want to feel part of something that is whole, not that just happens on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, but a way of being that is inviting, that's inspiring because of the joy that comes up when we when we do serve God. Are young adults looking for accountability? Sometimes. Sometimes. There are definitely a group of people that are excited to live in community as the world becomes more and more individualistic. They're excited for a new way of living that does provide accountability and provides a new way of seeing one another in the world.
1: Sarah, can you give us just a few examples of how folks here in North America can feel a part of the global church?
2: Mennonite World Conference will meet again in Paraguay in 2009. And we are inviting any and all who are able to come to join the global church there. It's kind of like a big family reunion to see who we call brothers and sisters around the world. But also, you know, if you're working during summer 2009 or you can't come, that's all right. You can contribute to be able to assist other people to come and meet their global family. And above all, praying for the global church is so important so that we keep our brothers and sisters around the world close to our hearts in our daily lives.
1: Thanks very much for being with us today, Sarah. You're welcome. Our time is up for today. This broadcast and many other helpful resources are available on the Mennonite Church Canada website at www.mennonitechurch.ca. You're also welcome to call our Resource Centre for additional help in finding books, videos, and more. Dial 1-866-888-6785. We invite your prayers and financial support for Church Matters. Donations may be made directly through our website at www.mennonitechurch.ca or by mailing your gift to Mennonite Church Canada, 600 Shaftesbury Boulevard, Winnipeg, Manitoba, R3P0M4. My name is Dan Dick.
0: And I'm Janet Plenard. Thanks for joining us. Tune in again at this same time on the third Sunday of each month to hear more about the many ways that church matters. Our prayer is that you will be called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Go in love, for love alone endures. Go in peace, for peace is a gift of God. Go in safety. For we cannot go where God is not.
2: As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you, the face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the way.